You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. I'm here today with Nat and Tiff Spari. They are coordinators of Base Base Services, which is a Toowoomba-based non-for-profit community development organization that works with individuals and families in need in the in the Toowoomba community. Nat and Tiff uh, are, are an amazing couple. They've been married for 20 years this year. They have three sons, uh, and it's great to be able to sit down and chat with you today. Nat and Tiff, thanks so much for making the time. Tom. Thank you. It's great to be here. Firstly, maybe for you, Nat, can you tell us what is base services? Yeah, so our main um, service that we do is our soup kitchen, and that runs five days a week. And we feed up to around 80 people a day. But um, with the, the soup kitchen, we're, we're facing a homelessness situation at the moment. So that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are looking for accommodation. But yeah, we work with people that are facing difficult circumstances such as homelessness, drug addiction and family breakdown and mental health. Mm-hmm. So we actually give people a meal. Yeah, so every day uh, people come for a meal. They're pretty hungry. And yeah, but also we uh, provide clothing and a backpack bed and all the toiletries and stuff like that as well. So yeah, it's a place, it's a friendly place where people can be referred to um, other services. So we work really well in the community to um, help those in need. Mm. You're also saying, Tiff, you have a social enterprise um, can you tell us a bit about that? Okay, I suppose if I can tell you a bit of the backstory to that, yeah. that would be really mm. cool. Um, me and Nat were actually reading about Ruth and Naomi and how they used to gleam from the corners of the fields. And um, God really spoke to us about how that gave them dignity. And um, from that, we decided, hey, rather than just give people a meal, let's give them an opportunity to make a meal for themselves. So the first day of that was, okay, we, we always serve people and it's great to serve, you know. The Bible's full of people who served. Mm. And, and we were doing that, but we said, let's get people to wash up their plates after they had their meal. And so we started the washing up and the whole atmosphere of the basement changed because people weren't just getting, they mm. were giving. This was in the soup kitchen? In the so, soup yeah, kitchen yeah. itself. And mm. then we went, we're doing a soup kitchen, so how about just rather than giving people a meal, we gave them the opportunity to make a meal for themselves. And so we came up with the concept of second shot. Um, And so what that was, was we got funding through the Queensland government. It was called the Dignity Fund, so very aptly named, to purchase a food truck. And we um, employed up to 15, no, trained up to 15 people every six months in a certificate three in hospitality. So they do work in the basement and then they go out on the work on the truck. And so people went from eating meals to serving meals and just their confidence, their esteem went up. 
And we then found out about a similar program through the Queensland government called Skilling Queenslanders for Work. And that's a lower level, so certificate one, but they actually get paid to do it full time. So we started offering a certificate one in hospitality. And now every six months, we put on 15 new trainees. And since um, kicking off in 2017, We've trained over 139 people in hospitality, seen 68 people exit homelessness and 101 people go on to further work. And, you know, it's just been life-changing for so many people. That's fantastic. So these are people that, you know, without this kind of training and then opportunity for employment would be homeless or at risk of homelessness? Definitely, Definitely. yeah. Yeah, So having a full-time job really changes things. Yeah. um, when people come into the program, at least around 10 are homeless out of the 15. Um, we've decided to do it that way. And, you know, by the time they finish the, the program, they're happy, house and healthy. And that's what our aims are. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you were telling me just before we started filming that you were choosing a new crop of yeah. trainees today. Yeah. You yeah. have 15 places, but almost 50 applicants. How do you choose you know uh, what's what's the criteria that uh, helps you to, to to choose the right trainees well there's three things that we look for like a good attitude that they are going to turn up and the third one is that that we are going to help them look for work after choosing people that maybe have done some time in jail or have been um, out of work for a good 15 years mm. um, maybe drug habits and stuff like that rehab and and so we, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity to see their whole life's change. Yeah. We really feel like when we choose the 15, we pick people from all different ages. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just not all young people or, or new migrants, it's a mix. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the real world. We get lots of um, women ex- escaping domestic violence. Yeah. We get lots of children exiting care. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, mm. yeah, just a vast variety of people and yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's, you know, you started running the soup kitchen and then you thought, well, we, we can, from the story of Ruth and Naomi, give these people some dignity in taking some responsibility for their lives. Simple things like washing up the dishes, which has then morphed into this, wow, we could do a traineeship program where we're upskilling people to, to work for themselves, to provide for themselves and get them out of poverty and homelessness. Cool. Into- yeah, one of our key... Um key values, I suppose, is innovation. I think one of the most important things when you start a um, community organisation or a ministry is to know what your values are. And so for us, when we started BASE, back in the day, it was build up, accept, support and evangelise. And, you know, that's still all over our roots, but we're a lot more now about are things sustainable? Um, are things ethical? Mm. Um, are all those kind of things, do we give people dignity? And I think once you work out as a team what your main principles for designing and delivering programs are, then you can start to um, put legs to those ideas. Another big one for us is collaboration and that's huge for us, is working with people. Mm. And I think for a long time, um, we were really church-based, and we still are. We're both ordained pastors and run a Sunday service, mm. and we love that. But I think it's so important to collaborate with your local community. For mm. a long, pe- long time, long time, a lot of people didn't know who we are. 
or what we did. And, you know, um, yeah, now we've really connected with people. So mm. we have lots of things that everyone and anyone can be involved in. Mm. So we have things like Hike for Homeless, Homeless for a Night, which are our major fundraisers. And that's just been a great way to get everyone involved in our community. That is great. I want to unpack a bunch of those themes. They're actually things I've written down to talk to you about. Um, so maybe first let's, you know, one of the one of the things that I think is very impacting about your work is the way you have been able to engage with uh, people outside of church world, uh, community organizations, council, etc. just the average uh, businessman. Um, can you tell us about how you've gone about developing those relationships, whether it's through events or networking, or how have you built that over time? I suppose for me, I believe God is the just God mm. and all his ways are just <coughs> and that we're all created in the image of God. And so I believe that as humans, we have qualities that reflect God. Mm. And I believe that our connection with the community is that we're people who, like them, want to make a significant difference mm. to people's lives. And so I think um, for me, um, it's been easy to really engage non-Christians, but I don't even see them as non-Christians. I just see them as people loved by God. Mm. And we actually employ staff who are non-Christians. Mm. Um, and some pe at first that was a big change for me mm. because we had all Christian staff. And then we did the traineeship and more recently we put a lot of non-Christians in supervisors positions, which is probably a bit different to what we were used to. But they're able, they're willing, and we've got some principles. And a big thing for me about effectively working with people is being ethical. And I think if you are ethical, you don't treat people differently. There's no concerns. And I suppose for me, you know, um, I treat people right, not because they have the right views, but just because... I respect people. So I think often people look at people and they have to have the same values or same beliefs to mm. get respect. Mm. But for me, I respect people because they're made in the image of God mm. and they don't have to believe me, yep. believe the same things. So yeah, I don't have to be right. Um, and I think um, for us, we have lots of people of different um, gender preferences and all that come into the soup kitchen and it's just not an issue. Yeah. It's not an issue unless we make it an issue of yeah. it. So I suppose for me, I'm all about loving God and loving people yeah. and hopefully through that they'll discover the Father's heart then. Mm. Oh, sorry, Nat, you go. And I remember the change like because how do we put on a non-Christian in our Christian organisation? How are we going to invite them to a prayer meeting? Um, they're out the front having a ciggy. And, um, you know, for me personally, like uh, we've found that the non-Christians that we've actually put on have taken us further. Yeah. Um, in what way? Just, yeah, unpack that. Uh, definitely with their professionalism, um, following instructions, um, all our policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that that has grown as well. Yeah. And, and it just, um, it's mind-blowing to to um, have people that can not be supervised that we have to, that we put on and just, yeah, their professionalism. So yeah. um, we've been really blessed and, and, and I actually approached a few Christian business people to ask them, you know, um, obviously uh, you employ non-Christians and they reckon it's a great thing because, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be, 
you know, the light to them. It's really interesting that, you know, to hear you unpack, um, you know, that transition from having only Christian staff to employing non-Christian staff and the positive, how positive it's been for your organization. Have you ever felt the tension, a tension in that? Like, or this is, there's some, you know, tension between those that are non-Christians and those that are Christians or over the way that you do things. No, it's been fairly... Yeah. And I suppose for me, um, it comes back to being willing and being able. Mm. And I suppose when we um, have had Christians, they might have been willing but not able or able but not willing. Mm. And so we found that finding um, people that people are able and willing, yeah. you know, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, does it's those two things and hopefully we can continue to shine our light. And the thing is that all the time people come in and they might go past a tiff and past that, or they might talk about church. Um, heaps of the trainees continually go, hey, can we come check out your church? And mm. you know, that's just, it's just normal. Just like if someone had a football team and they were like, oh cool, can I join? It's just normal. And mm. I think, I think maybe our pre, you know, anticipation was wrong. We anticipated something which, once we put it to the test, yeah. wasn't correct. But yeah. maybe if we, but we had peace about the people we put on to. Mm. And so always be guided by peace because God's given us mm. his spirit for a reason mm. to guide good. us. That's good. Um, can you t- tell us a little bit about what you've done to... Um, to give a profile to homelessness in this city. You've done that over many years through events and, and relationships. Do you want to unpack that maybe, Nat, a bit? Tell us about yeah, how I, you've I done that. Yeah, I just feel like Toowoomba's a unique place. We have a city that cares for people, mm-hmm. very compassionate towards the homeless and new migrants. We just see that people are very generous in our city and it's just unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. we, we do have a different culture. Toowoomba yeah. is a unique place. Yeah. And and I suppose that I really believe that people have a heart to help the homeless mm-hmm. and from from old to young. And we just put on an events that people can engage like our sleep out to our hike where school groups get involved, corporate groups get involved. Yeah. And I suppose that, um, you know, over the years, things have just moved along quickly. Yeah. Like. I- I think that's a key because when you think of making, raising awareness, that didn't happen in six months. Yeah. We've been here for basement since 1993. We've been involved since 2002. Mm. Um, and I suppose what what we've done didn't happen like that. It took a long time. Yeah. And you know, when people, I suppose, just being in it for a long haul, I think sometimes people's mm. visions are too short. They're just thinking, oh, how can we get 500 people to this event in September when to get to 500 people might take seven years. And so because the first one's not 500, they give up. Mm. And so I suppose for us it's about building momentum. I think that's probably um, with raising awareness of homelessness. I remember 10 years ago talking to people and they'd go, no one's homeless. I don't see homeless yeah. people. Yeah. And um, so slowly breaking that um, idea. Mm. And so I think you have to plan medium to long term and not give up, but consistently say the same message. So, you know, I hear that you're saying that longevity 
is been a key for you guys. You've been at this work for almost 20 years, almost your whole marriage. And so being in that space long-term, consistently, consistently saying the same message, consistently building the relationships has bore fruit for you. Can you tell us a bit about the homeless, uh, the, the sleep out week that you do, Nat, and uh, who the kind of people that get involved in that and the kind of money that's raised and just how that works? Yeah, sure. So um, every year I do homeless for a week. And so we actually put it on Facebook. I remember the very first time we did it and I was just blown away how many people started liking the page. <laughs> um, I had a friend, um, Ian Anderson, that actually made a, a picture of me. Half of, of me was homeless and the other half was dressed up as a businessman. And we put it on Facebook and linked it to a, um, a bank account. I don't know how it's all set up, <laughs> but it's, it's done somehow. Yep. And um, back then, people never asked for money through Facebook. And I was bold enough to just every post, donate now. I'm mm. like, don't write that down. <laughs> and we raised over $80,000. That first year, yeah, 80 first, grand. First year, and a friend of mine did it the whole week with me. Yep. And for the first three years, uh, it was just us. Just the two of you? Just the two of yeah, us. Yeah. And people kept on saying, hey, um, we would love to do it with you. And, and the big highlight of doing the sleep out for a whole week is you stay in the same spot and for, you know, day after day after day. And so many people would stop and share their story. I was homeless once or mum and dad had a fight. So mum and I slept in the park or I slept in the a car with my whole family mm. and just all these different stories. And you look at these people and that from all different walks of life. And so, yeah, people kept on asking, so we, decided let's let's ask the community to do the sleep out. So what I do is I actually take people, we, we all meet at a spot and we hear stories. We go around hearing stories in alleyways, in, in uh, different places, under bridges. And so we actually walk around the city the whole night. Mm. And sometimes we go to different organizations and hear from them what they're doing in the community. Yeah. So it really inspires people, but also um, brings that awareness and, and also the funds. So, we, you know, I think it's been year seven and mm -hmm. we, we raised around $120,000 for the night, the first night. So, um, yeah, it's... it's so uh, just this last year you raised yeah, 120 grand? 120 grand. And is it in the, over the seven years now, how much money do you think you would have raised out of the I'm homeless? I'm guessing probably about six to $700,000. Wow. Yeah. So we, I, I feel like, you know how we do it like it's it's we do this what we do every day mm. like feeding people mm. and have to run an event on top of that yeah. so so no one's professionally putting this together no. or some event manager. It just happens <laughs> yeah. and it just yeah. shows you that. And homeless people stop us on the way and go, oh, can I share my story now? Yeah. Or hey, yeah. I just bought this scratchy today to find find you if you win a million dollars and it's just like yeah so there's a lot of plan, cool. there's a lot of plan events and yeah. a lot of unplanned events on, yeah. the, on the night <laughs> yeah. and the unplanned ones are the best yeah. And yeah you mentioned um you know that you've uh planted a church um can you tell us a little bit about either of you about the congregation what kind of people come Excellent. what it looks like um just yeah unpack the church yeah. for us um tiff and i when we got married the whole purpose of uh, what we wanted to do in our lives was to reach out to street kids. 
And so we we got our first house. Yeah. Uh, I was living in a one-bedroom uh, <laughs> flat in Highfields and we got a house in Toowoomba and we made sure that there was enough space to um, invite uh, street kids over to our house every Friday night as part as as part of the youth group of the church that we were a part of. And so that's what we did every Friday night, reached out to street kids. I remember our first meeting. They'd come do their washing, <laughs> have a shower, and we, we cook games. a big meal. Yeah, yeah. and shared, shared a message. And yeah. I remember our first meeting, uh, it was at Queen's Park, yeah. and we kicked off in January. And a lot of the kids were going to court that day as well, <laughs> so we missed a few. But we ended up having around 50 young people and a well-fed dog, a little yeah. dog. He ate so many sausages. <laughs> but um, that's that's how we kicked off. And I, I invited um, all the kids to come to the soup kitchen. I wasn't. I was just volunteering in the, the the kitchen back then. And we would open the 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 space up for Friday night. And it, and uh, no one turned up at the start. <laughs> we were like waiting. Is anyone going to show up? But but a half an hour later, a 12-year-old kid turned up and followed by a couple or more of his friends. And, you know, this 12-year-old kid was homeless. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the first young person that came to our youth group. Yeah. Personally, I, I love that we get to save their life and then save their soul. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And we see that faith changed my life. Mm. I see that. And, you know, it's a big part of what I do. And we see so many people um, start a faith journey and their whole family come. And we probably started a church about 10 years into our running a youth group every Friday night. And that was a huge transition going from running a youth group to running a church. And I suppose... You're running a single mums. Yeah, I was running a young mums group. Young mums. And we were a very young group. So we had a lot of energy but we probably didn't have the wisdom and character at the start. Mm. But thankfully, um, God's grace, mm. and we learned through life mistakes. And um, I suppose uh, over the last few years, I think we've really discovered who we are, what we're passionate about. We're probably way more relaxed than we ever were. <laughs> and well, that's what I think. And um, I suppose discovering the way we lead, and I suppose, We've got an amazing team who just have a real heart to serve and not only serve our church, but serve our community. And um, I really feel like we probably, these days, run the church a lot more like we run our organisation. We release a lot more people. Um, We um, have created more of a team. um, And, yeah, I think it's just, um, yeah, we... And probably since we've done that, we've had a lot more families and older people join. Mm. But also, I think there's something so exciting about seeing people come to the Lord and make choices. And I think that gives our church really positive energy. And people want to be part of that community because they're seeing people come to faith and grow. And so I think, um, yeah, there's a real energy in our church and real hunger. Hmm. That's good. I love the, um, and this is a pattern that I've seen in this conversation that, you know, you started just inviting people into your home yeah. all those years ago. And then 
into the Friday night youth group and, you know, having kids turn up and then growing into a, into a, a congregation, a church that meets on a Sunday morning, just the progression of starting small, opening your home, and then how God's grown that over time. It's, it's we did it back to front. Most people started church Sunday morning, <laughs> yeah. but we started a youth group yeah. first yeah. and a young mums group. Then we did a yeah. Sunday night yeah. and then Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's and back to front church. I've kind of seen a bit more lately is that a lot of the people who are coming to the Lord are bringing other people to the Lord yeah. and they're getting their heart for evangelism and stuff. Yeah. So that's really cool. That's so good. Yeah. I wanted to ask a little bit about your own personal stories because this this kind of work is not for everyone in a sense. I mean, everybody should have a heart for the poor and for those that are on the margins of society, but to devote your lives to it in this way is, um, you know, that's not everybody's calling. How did you come to know that this was, did did your own background lead you into this in any way? Um, You may have separate stories. I'm just interested to hear uh, how you found yourselves in this place? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I suppose for me, I grew up in a home where my mum was a Christian, my dad was a publican. Um, and As in he ran a pub? That's yeah, what, he yeah. ran a pub. Yep. And um, he, he got sick when I was small and so he stopped running the pub. But I grew up around a lot of alcohol and a lot of church. <laughs> and um, what do you call it? I think it just, when I was... 13, I, I, um, well, when I was 12, I remember watching a current affair, like, I thought church was something which mum did and it had no relevance for today. I remember for some reason when I was 12 watching a current affair and seeing Father Riley and God just stirred something in my heart and went, I want to do something like that. Um, when I grew up, um, I had a family member who was Um, pretty affected by the drug scene and he came in and out of my life and I knew at times he was homeless and there was a lot of trauma around that and my dad struggled with alcoholism too so I saw a lot of addiction around me and then when I was 13 I went to a Christian school experienced God's presence and went oh my gosh it's not some big guy in the sky (laughs) not relevant but it's actually relevant and that really changed my life really discovered that God had a purpose and a plan. I remember actually going to church when I was 16 and um, a guy announced that he was doing an outreach service in the basement on Wednesday night and just God did something in my heart and I had to fast for three days. I was 16 um, and never fasted before, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, God's calling me to fast. Mm. And so I just fasted for this new ministry this guy was doing in the base. And I just knew that there was something there and it never left me. Mm. So that, and I knew I had to get involved. Mm. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for me, um, how can I start? Like, so yeah, I do have the background of drug addiction and homelessness and finding God was a bit of a journey for me, but I think God God found me. So God came into my life when it was all messed up and in that messiness, um, I started having breakthrough in areas of accommodation, uh, not doing drugs. And so doing drugs, I love drugs. Like I even tattooed, I love drugs on my ankle. (laughs) 
I truly did. It's it's covered, covered up, up a now. little bit now. <laughs> but um, I had to experience something greater than that to set me free. And that, that God encounter that I had, um, even ju- during the journey of attending church, um, changed my life. And God's word just came alive. And, and finding that truth changed everything, my outlook in life. Like I was living in darkness, I was destroying the community. Now I wanna, I live in light and I wanna bless the community. And, and so before I was searching about those things, like I had a child and, and there was times where I didn't even have connections with him. And all my life I tried to be that right dad, that right father, but I had no idea. And then when I came to God and, and saw those roles being modeled to me, mm. I, I, des- I desired that and still mm. desired to be better. You mentioned, you know, your passion for family and you've got, you know, you've got a family yourself, three, three boys. Uh, in this kind of work, which is not office hour work, it's all over the place. Um, how have you managed the balance of raising a family whilst doing this kind of work? You know, have you found that, uh, uh, that it is a balance, that there is a tension between, or have you just, you know, opened your your boys up to um to this kind of work or what have you done to as you raise raise your boys we to... have opened them up a lot yeah. <laughs> um to street life and yeah. like when tiff was running the young mums group i think all our kids went through that so yeah. they got yeah. bitten scratched <laughs> hair pulled yeah. actually Lots that's what <laughs> actually that's what our kids did to them yeah. um <laughs> but hey i think luke was um eight eight days old when he went to his first youth group Mm -hmm. and three months old when he went on his first youth camp. So he's been on all of them. And I suppose that we raised our children um, around ministry, Mm -hmm. around our mission to to Toowoomba and beyond. And I just feel like that was something that was important to me, that they see our mum and dad um, ministering to people Mm -hmm. and they've always been involved as well. Mm And so they're all gifted. They all have their um, core. And I also see that they're very compassionate and they're typical teenagers. So, you know, there's always uh, the black sheep and yeah. So yeah. we, we um, sometimes I feel like, are they getting evangelized more than uh, they should be evangelizing them? But at the end of the day, um, God's hands upon them. Uh, they, they're happy to, to come to church and youth group still. Um, they're 17 and 18 and my oldest one is 24 Mm -hmm. and he works at um, a school that have disabilities and and so yeah they're very compassionate. I think um, they all seem very proud of us Mm. which is good so they don't really have regret or any of that. Mm. Um, I suppose they're all on their own journeys with God and you know we respect that Mm. Um, and I suppose for me you just attention you go, oh, have I been there enough or haven't I? But I suppose um, there's only so much we as parents can do, mm. I suppose, and just really depending, hope, hoping that we've le- led our kids to depend on God like we have. Mm. And, you know, I suppose our faith walk of doing the base has been a lot of faith. So going, look what God's done, look what God's provided and like just encouraging their faith. Faith by that, mm. 
Yeah. And we've done some, like they've always played AFL yeah, and we've athletics. Made, yeah, we've always supported them in what they're interested in. So, sure. Like not, so he didn't go to church for about four months this year. He went to footy, put, yeah. footy instead. So, yeah. you know, we... And the um, Darling Downs won the grand final <laughs> under 16s against the Gold Coast and Brisbane. It was yeah. worth it. It was yeah. worth it. But yeah. now I realise how much that took from me. But yeah. It but, showed that we're as interested in yeah, them, you know? You prioritise them for what mm. they were interested in. Yeah. That's good. Mm. That's good. Um, one final question. And you mentioned the base started in 1993 and uh, uh, we should mention, you know, Alan and Gwen Bitmead who faithfully collected bread oh, from all around town. Yes. Made, made jaffles for, you yeah. know, people. Um, I lived on those jaffles. For many years and you took over from Alan and Gwen. Um, I know you've still got, you know, you're not, you still got a long way to run, but when you think about the time when you might have to then hand over to, just as Alan and Gwen handed over to you guys and the time comes for you to hand over, what do you hope Toowoomba's like in that time? Or what do you hope God has done and pray that God will have done um, when that time comes? Hopefully homelessness is radically reduced and we haven't gotten the big problems, but I think that we've raised awareness because I think when we took it over there, there wasn't mm. much awareness. Um, hopefully we create teams and to do what we do. Um, and it installed our heart. But I suppose just like we're not Alan and Gwen, whoever is next, that they're, they're themselves. Yeah. And we're okay with that, like yeah. going, hey. And, you know, um, I suppose we have stepped a lot. Well, you have stepped a lot out of the basement. And then I stepped in for a while and now I'm kind of stepping out. And it's like knowing that God in the beginning started that ministry. It was his idea, not our idea. And so just depending on him, but yeah, I think we've definitely got people around us who are capable mm. and who I am confident in. And um, yeah, I love that there's a lot more awareness in our community. Mm. Yeah, so um, Alan and Gwen, when they first asked me, would I take over the basement drop-in centre, it was called back then, yeah. and they were just doing jaffles and pies and hot dogs, I did a whole week with them and I went, no way, no way am I picking up bread every morning and going to bakeries late, late, late in the afternoons. Yeah. And uh, they did that seven days a week, yeah. faithfully for 10 years. Yeah. And they just uh, fed the multitudes out the front. And they were an elderly couple at oh. that stage. They did they? that in their retirement, yeah. 10 years yeah. in their retirement. Yeah. And so when um, they asked me to uh, take over, I was like, what have I got myself into? But as Tiff said, um, we we changed it mm. and we suited it to how we could run it, but also mm. turned it into a soup kitchen with clothing yeah. and backpack beds. And, and not saying the people that went before us um, mm. were did it wrong. Um, that was that time. And mm. I suppose that in the future, I realised that I've stepped out of the soup kitchen in the last five mm. years to and now we've got take on second shot. Yeah. Um, I go down there and I'm like, oh my God, they've got all, it's so different down here. <laughs> I had it all nice and neat and tidy and, and there's stuff everywhere. And I suppose that they've grown in what they're capable and their capacity to do. And I suppose that um, I really feel that God looks after the poor. You know, God looks after the lost, the broken, the least, the unloved. Mm. 
And I suppose mm. that if we don't do it, there'd be somebody else that does it. Mm. And I believe that because that's God's heart. That's good. Yeah. Well, Nat and Tiff, Smurray, thanks so much yeah. for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, it really, ha- I genuinely have been inspired hearing what I think is the story of God in your lives and yeah. uh, the way that, yeah, God heart for the lost and the broken just shines out through you guys and how he's used you and grown you and multiplied your ministry over these 20 years and I'm sure there's, there's another 20 years of good work awesome. still to come at least yeah. um, so. so thanks so much yeah.